It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columns editor with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal. I thought this was the college football podcast. I think I'm in the wrong room. Uh, we may get to some college football before this podcast ends, just because of how well things are going up in Clifton, and just to satisfy you. It, we can't talk that's, about Zay's That's a lot easier to talk about right it, now. It really is. <laughs> I wonder who would outscore the other in upcoming games. And Rick Broering, of course, from uh, from Musketeer Report. Let's uh, let's start with, I guess, the bad. UC losing the, the reopening of Fifth Third Arena to Ohio State in a game in which... Um, the offense was a struggle to say the least, and if not no. for, for Jaron, no, sorry, you no, idiot, right? The defense, the defense was, was the, the problem. Defense was the issue. Um, I know that's kind of a mechanism for Mick, but how much does he really believe that? How much? A hundred percent. He doesn't think the offense is an issue. No, no, no. I think. Well, here's here's where he gets in, in trouble with this. I right. think. I think this year, or at least Wednesday night, he was. Right in the aspect of this team's not going to be good offensively, right? Especially right now, early in the season. So they have to play great defense to cover for the fact that the offense is going to take a while to get on track. Where he gets himself in trouble is he plays this card last year at times, when the year could, before when, at times. When you could score. When you could score and you could win with offense. So you 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 kind of burn up the goodwill and it becomes a tagline that yes. everybody wants to, yes. to point out. I think the point he was making against Ohio State was valid in that you were going to have to be great defensively in both halves to beat them because of the limitations of the offense, and letting them shoot 55% was probably not going to be good enough. But but I would ask you, though, is, is this team, and, and obviously this is one game in, so this is a work in progress, yeah. but is this team really suited to playing, playing in the half court through a guy in the post? Last year at times, I could buy that. I mean, you had two guys that could do a lot of things in the post and do a lot of things out of the post. I. Do you have that guy? No, but what, like if Jaron Cumberland's on the bench the entire first half, what do you actually, and Kane Broom can't make a shot, what do you actually have? I don't know. I, I think you almost so, have to cover up into a ball and go, man, I need a shooter or two. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't either. Well, the, all the other guys, Trevor Moore, Keith Williams, Rashawn Fredericks, none of them can make a shot either. So they were just trying whatever they could to get the ball in the basket. Now they got... Ten layups in the first half. They made one. Yeah, and there was a pretty good video montage I saw of some of that, too. So, and they weren't terrible shots, really. I mean, one or two of them were pretty contested. Nizir Brooks missed a, a couple shots that he should make. Trayvon Scott didn't look as comfortable as he had been in the scrimmages in the game against Notre Dame, where he was the leading scorer. And Kane Broom couldn't make a shot, and Jaron Cumberland was in foul trouble. Like, Well, let's be clear. The guards are the issue. Yeah. Like, the way the guards played are the issue. Yeah. Because Jaron was great when he was on the floor. The bigs, as much as people want to point out their struggles or whatever, they did what you expect out of them. Yes. Like, they weren't worse than what you think they can give you. Right. Well, the issue was, Kane gave you nothing. nothing. Yeah. He was a, a negative on the court. And then Justin is what we've all become ex- expected. Honestly, Justin actually had some plays in that game he where pretty well. he gave them a boost at yeah. times. So, like, he wasn't his worst. Kane really, really struggled yeah. in and, that game. And it, this is what we've talked about all offseason with this team. If Jaron gets in foul trouble, if Kane doesn't make shots, they're screwed. They they don't have four or five options this year. Those two guys. Yeah, I think what I give you for the over under on double digit guys last week, two and a half, and you said you thought it'd be three. Right? Yeah, I said yeah, I thought yeah, it'd be yeah, three right. with, with so not even Trey. close to four, right? So, right, and that's where you're at right now. Right. So uh, this isn't 
a surprise. Now it's frustrating because it's the opening of the arena. I, I, and I think the tagline is the most frustrating thing to that. I think for everybody fair. to hear that hear that message again, it's like, dude, but I've that's heard my, this before. But that's my point no, is right. hearing it again. I, I think it fit in that game, but I, because you hear it so much, it's boy who cried wolf almost at times. And do you do you feel like there's any credence to the fact that okay, at this point like I mean you can't blame any rebuilding process. You can't blame how the program was when it Mick took it over because yeah. we're so far in the process. It's clearly his team at this point. Do you blame the recruiting at all to the aspect of just where you're at in terms of skill level? Like I mean, the fact that this is their only option of offense to run. The fact that they don't move the ball more, that there's not more of a continuity offense. It's kind of still that NBA style where you run a quick, either it's a high ball screen or a quick action, or you throw it in a the post. A lot of horns, a lot of floppy posts. And then you just kind of sit there and let someone make a play, or you kick it out with 10 seconds left on the shot clock, and you have to run one high ball screen quickly and then and maybe, get a shot. And maybe force a shot at that and, and obviously with a team that doesn't have a lot of guys who can yeah. create offense. I mean, wh- what do you see? Is it, is it a recruiting issue, or is it like you need to change the offense issue, in your opinion? I mean, I don't know that we can point to it being a recruiting issue yet. Because none of these guys outside of Cumberland and Kane, and you can add Jennifer somewhat to that mix because he played a good deal last year. These guys haven't played much. They don't have game experience to fall back on to for us to know what they are. What we know that they have been up to this point is you get Gary five minutes, you get Kyle five minutes, you get Jacob three minutes. like, And you can steal that. And you can steal that. You don't have to play well. So... I think if we're looking at if if we're talking about the same things mid December, then yeah, I think you can look at it and say one Jacob leaving early hurt as much if not more than we expected it to right. because in a developmental program he's supposed to be your senior. He's, your, he's, your, he's not only your bridge; he's your star bridge. He's your first round right. pick. He's your he's your go to guy, and I think you look at Keith Williams. Trevor Moore, that class, what has been what has worked for Mick over the past five years or so, there's been one guy in every class. And it has allowed the the train to keep moving. And right now in that sophomore class, we didn't see anybody step up and warrant 20, 25 minutes a game like we did with Gary Clark, with Jacob Evans, with Jaron Cumberland, with Troy Copain. That line of succession, we didn't see that happen. And now you're looking at year two, and none of those guys appears ready to take that step, that next step to 25 minutes, consistent starter, you know, guy that's going to be an impact guy. I think that's kind of where the the gaps are. Um, I, I think what you run into in the post, for three years, I think it was hard to recruit big men here because of Gary and Kyle. Right. And then you had stacked up some guys that you had recruited, so you were – pretty full there by the time they graduated and now these guys we don't know what they're going to be yet they're clearly not what Gary Clark was when he stepped on campus as a freshman Um, but Trayvon Scott has to be better and you know I I want to you want to be mad at Nizier Brooks for the missed dunk because that was a beautiful play Mm -hmm. but the Logan Johnson set him up but you got to give some credit to the front of the rim Always in the right place. Never moves. I mean, static. Knows where to be. Yep. You son know, of a coach. Under, son of a coach. Understands his role. Steady. steady. Yeah, just steady. Very steady. He's always, always there. Always plays ten feet tall. Always there. I mean, 
Well, UC stole him right off of Xavier's campus. <laughs> I mean, he was supposedly on Xavier's campus at one point. Was, no one at Xavier is aware of this fact, but UC ripped him right off their campus. And congratulations to them because yeah. he's been a huge factor. He's there. out at he was at Kentucky for no, a while yeah. too, I think. Yeah, Xavier's so. really missing that output. No, no question. Have we? And I'm not pointing the finger at you, Chad, because you've seen him more. But have we overestimated Kane Broom? Maybe. I mean, until he plays better, yeah. Like I, I think you you look at he averaged 24 points a game, and but it was at the lowest level of Division One hoops. So you'd never know how that's going to translate we haven't seen it translate yet i mean i think that's fair he's he was a spark at times last year oh, yeah, at times on a team that was loaded we don't know consistently if he's ready to step up and be that second guy that 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 guy that plays off of jaron and scores 12 to 15 points a game and now fair or unfair we have to question it because he went one for 10 right and, and it, i mean I, I don't like doing that after one game but we we but knew the, yeah. he, to, for this team to win, he has to be a consistent right. quality offensive threat, and now we question it. I think you have to think about fit here too, like, and and this I don't take this as a shot, but I think Mick Cronin's like his ideal of a guard is not the optimum way for Kane Broom to play, right? Like Kane Broom needs to be with a coach that's like you can make some mistakes, you can throw the ball around and turn it over unforced. Because that's how he plays. Even when he was there doing his thing, he made a lot of mistakes. And he's got to take say, some I'd wild shots. Arm. Right. Yeah. He takes some wild shots, he throws some wild passes, but he finds a rhythm eventually. And under Mick Cronin, like you can't play that way. You can't turn the ball over or you're coming out of the game. I'm not saying that's a negative on Mick Cronin or a negative on right. him. That's just his philosophy. It's just, just, it's yeah. just like it might not have been the best fit all along. Like, do I think Kane Broom could be a guy that scored a lot of points at a high major level? I do. Do I think he'll do that under Mick Cronin? I don't know. Like, I just don't think Mick will give him that leash to play with a lot of freedom to take a ton of shots and make bad plays because he's kind of that guy. He kind of makes bad kinda plays. doesn't have an option right now. We're going to find out. We'll find out. But we already saw, like... Well, I mean, if, 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 you, if you make a... Ignorant turnover, Mick is taking you out. Like 100%. that is not and, going to change ever, right? And I ever, and I understand that. And but but like that's just why I get back to like I don't know if it's the greatest fit for either party. Uh, you see, I, I would also add to that. They thought he was a point guard, or thought he was going to be able to be a point right. guard, and that that wasn't going to be the case. I, but I mean, I think he can be a point guard for a lot of teams in the way a lot of teams play today. For the way Mick Cronin wants his point guards to play, he can't because he wants them to play with zero turnovers. Well, I, but I, I mean, look he, at his last two point guards. They didn't turn the ball over at all. Period. Yeah. Well, the period. Thing, I mean, but if you ask Kane, he's never played point guard. But he did at Sacred Heart, though. No. I mean, he go was, back and watch the video. He was ball he was, dominant, yeah, but he wasn't yeah. I mean, a point guard. I, yeah, he brought the ball that, up the court and ran their yeah, offense. I, I call that a lead guard, for lack of a better term, because you, you're, you're, the ball's in your hands. You're, you're maybe not running the offense. You're running the offense for yourself. Well, in that case, they didn't have a point guard. Because yeah. he's the guy who got brought the ball up the yes. court and initiated the offense. Yeah, he was the one. If you put somebody right. down as the one, you're the one. So Yeah. I mean, he was their main scorer, too. And I agree. And that's not how UC plays. UC has about, what, Three or four weeks of, of of manageable games that you can you can do some fitting, some tinkering, some things. I'm not talking about easy games. I don't mean it like that. But they have some manageable games where it's before not before it gets before it gets real. In, yeah. Before it gets real real, and I mean gets and it might even start getting real when NKU but really two and a half weeks. Yeah, when NKU is is on the horizon. Um, so what what would you like to see accomplished, and what would maybe Mick like to see accomplished over the next three weeks that finally gets you going? Okay, 
these things are starting to fit the right way. Because we do. We all overreact after the first game. We're going to talk Kentucky here in a little bit. And the, 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 Ooh, the, the, oh, the, the reaction <laughs> slash overreaction to that. Um, and maybe it was an overreaction at the end of the day. But um, what does this team need to do over the next few weeks to start to go, okay, when they hit this stretch of games, they have found some, some answers? You have to find some consistency in what looks to be Cincinnati's starting lineup, which is Jennifer Broom, Cumberland, Scott, Brooks. Uh, I think so. Semi and Brooks are pretty much interchangeable right. at this point. They're they're kind they're gonna play twenty minutes each, whatever. Um, you have to find some consistency, especially offensively, from people other than Jaron Cumberland. Who who, in your opinion, has the most offensive upside right now out of the wings? Like, who is the guy that you're like? I mean, it's, he has a chance to emerge. It's Keith, but he just struggles with some of the the more intricate details like mm. where to be exactly in each point in the offense what what is expected of him and I, don't, I don't think people get that a lot of times they really don't see that they don't comprehend yeah. that and it's huge because if you can't trust the guy to run things and do things and be in the right place it's hard to play that guy it right. just is he and, may have the most talent on your team most talent in the world but if he's in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing it's hard to play that guy yeah and that's a, that's what i always talk about more than anything it's with the coach it's head coach it's always trust sure Always trust you. I mean, you're. I do, no. I I got a couple of kids that just they don't know where to go a lot of times, and it's almost like, man, I, I think you're great, but if I can't trust you to be in the right place, it's hard for me to put you on the floor. Yeah, and I, he's improved a lot, and and I don't think it's something that is um, a major detriment to him. But with him again, he needs to be out there and getting minutes to start gaining. And that's confidence what, and that's what and I'm wondering experience. if Nick. And we know he's got a short leash with a lot of guys. Do, do you almost have to? If you're him, really swallow hard over his next few games. Where again, they're manageable uh, games, and go. I got to let guys play through some. I just got to do it. I think or we're you not do with, to, or we're not going to evolve. I think you do with him. I think you do with Trevor Moore as well, right. because he's got to get in a rhythm shooting the basketball. And he had that wide open look at the end of the game. He gets a steal. They're down six. They're making a furious comeback. Ohio State's sloppy with the ball. He gets a steal. He composes himself. Gets a wide open, clean look and can't bang it. If he bangs that, the lid blows it's off a, that place. There's a minute one, fifteen one left. It's game. a one possession game. So the funny thing about Trevor Moore is, you told me he could defend this way, and I didn't believe that. The problem is he hasn't been the. Sh we all thought he could shoot. Yeah, like no one didn't think he could shoot. He's shooting over fifty percent in practice. So, so you still think he's that same guy he was when they recruited him? He can still shoot it. Yeah, I mean I've seen it. That's but he he hasn't. Man, that's tough for him. Like, I don't know if it's tr it's speed. I don't game, know if right, it's right. if it's comfort. I don't know if it's repetition. But he has not been able to take it from the practice floor to the game and floor. There's certain guys that can't do it. I mean, I don't think there's a question. He's been better than expected defensively. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was what it was what I talked about with him when when he was a recruit. Where you think is his weakness is is, is that he's not athletic. And vertically, he's not athletic. But laterally, but laterally he moves. And that he was a safety. He played football. He was recruited in the Big 12 as a safety. He moves well laterally. He's just not bouncy. So you think of him as... You've been proven correct on that. I mean, defensively, he's been yeah. great. I'm f Totally fine yeah. in that system. Good system piece defensively. Right. He's got to make shots. He, he's in there to knock down shots. Now, from what I heard, he hit two or three big ones in the Notre Dame game that, that gave them space. 
and really spark their offense. Lights. He's got to do that. Bright lights not when on. When the bright lights are on. Fans not there. Right. I mean, there may be something He's to do He's got to do it. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Xavier uh, gets two wins to start the season off um, and beats Evansville 91-85. I think Evansville just shot another three from 35 feet out. <laughs> um, they did jack a bunch of them. What did you make of, of Xavier's first two games? Um, it, I can't. I have no idea what to think of right. this team right now because – what we were told was the strength of this team and the weaknesses of the team, and what I genuinely believe to be the strengths and the weaknesses of the teams are complete opposites right now. They're scoring just like last year's <laughs> exactly. Xavier's team. They now, it is IUPUI in Evansville. And, that's fair. and that's fair, but like at the same time, we see other games going on too. Nobody. And other teams don't necessarily score that way, even against yeah. bad competition. The Xavier offense looks like the Xavier offense. But the Xavier defense still looks like the Xavier defense, too, despite the fact that they're supposed to have a bunch of guys who can guard one-on-one right now. I don't really know what to make of it. The one thing I will say is Najee Marshall has really not been a factor at all through two games. Quentin Gooden played well in the first half before he got ejected. but That was stupid. stupid. uh, Yeah, I mean. (laughs) That was stupid. It was. It was funny. I mean, from what I understand is he thought You'd have blown a gasket. Oh, I saw it. You'd have blown a gasket. He he might not play the next game for me. He's got the shoulder thing, and from from what I understand, he thought the guy was going after his shoulder. and 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 to be fair, that's totally not him. Like, he's never done something like that before, so it's totally without. But at the same time, I mean, I just want to point this out. Like, if you're coming to me on Twitter whining to me about sportsmanship and you think, like, I'm the one to come to, at this point... It's the wrong cat, man. You haven't been paying attention. It's the wrong cat. Like, I just... If you think I care about that, you just haven't been paying attention. I I know. I just don't. Sorry. I I do. You don't. And I get it. And I'm fine with people saying, like, hey, you shouldn't have done it. I agree. You shouldn't have done it, but it was hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> he bounced the ball. The laughs. Off a, he bounced the ball of a dude's head. Like I the, think sports the, are the best part is he didn't bounce it off his head. He acted like he was going. No, no, no. He pumped it off his. He he didn't like. He didn't let it bounce. He kept control. Yeah. He just used it as a prop. Yeah. He propped it. He banged yeah. him in the head and kept control of the ball the whole time. It wasn't like uh, <clears throat> like a chess pass. Where he bounce, you know, he bounced it off somebody's face. No, he just doinked him with it. Doink. Yeah. <laughs> he kept a hold of it. Yeah. Um, Paul Scruggs putting up some points. I mean, obviously Quentin has to be the point guard, but off to a pretty decent start. Well, I, I think you saw against IUPUI, Paul really struggled without Quentin because he had to, yeah. Well, now Quentin's there to handle the ball a little bit. It frees Paul to be an attacker, and it never looks pretty. But he gets things done. He's just physical. He's hard to deal with. He gets in the lane every time he wants to get there because he's so strong. And he finishes some mid-range stuff off. He has some craftiness to him. And at times, he's hitting some shots, too. In this game, he hit you know, four threes, I think it was, three or four threes. So, yeah, he's he's a guy that can score a little bit. But it's never going to look like no one's ever going to look at Paul Scruggs and say, oh, he's super skilled and he's a great offensive player. But he just gets things done because of the style that he plays. Other one you talked about in the preseason was was how Tyreek Jones had transformed his body. Um, nineteen points and twenty rebounds. That 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 part to me is the staggering part. I mean, twenty rebounds. I don't care in this day of age of, age of college basketball. If you get ten, if you get eight, you've had a hell of a night, right? I mean, really, if you have eight, you've had a heck of a night. Twenty rebounds against a team that was shooting threes, which usually leads to big kickers, which usually leads to guards getting rebounds. Yeah, and 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 he didn't have a great game against IUPUI in terms of rebounds the ball and they called him out on that a little bit but the big thing about the 20 rebounds is it shows what what a difference the losing the weight makes in terms of his ability to keep playing with a high motor yeah throughout the the, the entire time he's on the court he's playing hard which we saw for a minute 
two minutes at a time. And you were able to get away with years. that. And you were able to get away with that. Because you had other guys. Right. And he only needed to play 10, 15 minutes. But now he needs to play 20 at least, if not 30 minutes a game. If he can play hard that entire time, he's a totally different animal to deal with. And that's what he did in this game. Now, granted, Evansville's tiny. No, no doubt. I mean, they have no one inside that can deal with a guy like Tyree Yeah, this Jones. was not so, a Big East game. This was not a high-level major game. Right. But- Am I ready to crown him over 20 rebounds against Evansville? No. But showing just the effort level for that for that amount of minutes to get 20 rebounds is like, yeah, clearly the losing weight has made a difference. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, bigger test coming up on Tuesday against Wisconsin. It is at home. Um, what strides might this team have to make from these first couple of games leading into that to, to, to have a chance to win? You have to play better defense. Right. Um, the question is, is the defense like an issue because you guys don't exactly know what you're doing yet and you need chemistry and guys need to play better? Or is it you didn't care about the first two opponents, so you were like a days Because there's a lot of that going sure, on, right? Sure. Like, Najee Marshall was sick the first game, and then the last game he didn't play his best game for whatever reason. But he's also kind of been that type of guy who's best when the lights are shining brightest. Does he take it up another notch and give you a, your top perimeter defender all of a sudden? That could change you a lot. Also, do the other guards, do they take it up another notch in terms of their intensity? Because the big men have been pretty good, like, Tyreek Jones has been pretty good in the post. And then Zach Hankins has had actually nice game, had a nice game. He's protected points. the rim when he's been in the game. So he's done what he was brought in here to do. It's more the perimeter guys just losing focus for three, four minutes at a time and having bad stretches. Do they get over that fact in a more important game? And how much does Quinton help that when he when he's back and play? Because, again, he didn't play game one, got kicked out of game two, so you're also missing that for stretches, too. It helps it, but let's not kid ourselves. Like He was in the first half of that game on, on Saturday, Saturday yep. where they were giving up all those threes. I mean, Evansville hit eight or nine threes in that first half, so... He was part of it too. It's he's Fair not enough. immune from that either. It's the whole team has to do a much better job defensively. And and quite honestly, like I think Travis Steele is an offensive minded coach. He was running the offense when he was under Chris Mack. I think he had a lot of influence under Chris Mack's teams. I think this is going to be a struggle for him. I think that's one of the biggest question marks is can you coach defense the way you coach offense? Because if so, you've got the personnel right now to do something pretty special because the offense looks better than we thought. Yeah, no no doubt no doubt about it. Um a team that didn't look very special in game number one, Kentucky. They did bounce back to beat Southern Illinois, but they had to rally to do that. Um, I know you and I talked on Wednesday. We knew there was going to be an overreaction one way or the other, whether Kentucky had won it, whether Kentucky had lost it. I don't think anybody would have ever even fa- – if I could have given somebody a, a score projection, even the, the most ardent UK hater would have never gone Duke 118-84. to 84. Um, and, and Friday night didn't play well against Southern Illinois, and and – the one thing I'll give Cal credit for, I listened to him on the post game. He pinned it all on himself. You know, he, he's, I, I think he's searching for answers again. And, and I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt because we've seen this over the last few years. To his credit, he's found a way to figure it out. But man, this team's got some flaws very quickly. The great white hope hasn't been very good. No, Tyler it's Harrow. A, it's been a big problem. He's, him and Kelton Johnson are their two best players. And Kelton Johnson played okay against Duke. Right. But you got nothing from Harrow. And if you watch the, the game the other night, he's screaming at Harrow to shoot. And and, and that shouldn't be an issue. No. Because that dude that dude in the Bahamas was launching from 35 feet. He was right. Trey Young in it sometimes. And I think the Bahamas might have been a bad thing for them. And maybe. So, false sense of self. Yeah, I think they, you know, you're playing, yeah, you're playing pro guys, but you're playing pro guys that are in the middle of their offseason hanging out in the Bahamas. <laughs> this is this is just to get a sweat in, man. Training, just to get a little running, training, and, and being in prime physical condition is not exactly what those dudes were doing 
it in late July, early August. Right. Let's let's keep it real. I and think PJ okay. Washington was awful the yeah, other night. PJ Washington was bad. I, they'll be okay. The story that night was not Kentucky, though. The story that night was Duke. Oh yeah, no question, no doubt. I think we talked about. It. There's no doubt. I mean, those three dudes. They they just wowed you. I mean, they flat wowed you. I, I maybe and I, and I think we tell you. I'm not sure which one's better than the other. I, I, well, I may be as wrong as I've been on anything when I insisted that Cam Reddish was the number one kid in this class, and he's still going to be really freaking good. Yeah, R.J. Barrett and Zion. I don't the things he's doing right now. My God, I just don't. I don't understand how anyone looks at him and is not like just enamored with the potential because he does everything well. Like. Everyone wanted to make it out like he was just a dunker, but that we saw him before he was yeah. super athletic, and he did everything well before that. He I, was, I, I, I he was always super athletic. He just no, no, yeah, he was. He was a below the rim guy. Go back and watch videos from his sophomore year. He was still athletic, not soup, not, not a freak. He was yeah, this, not this LeBron is James. Yeah, this is freak. This he is freak was. Stuff. He did not score yeah, but, by dunking. But your he point is right. He was skilled. Right. And everybody kept saying the kid has no skill. And I'm like, well, you haven't seen him play. Right. Like, he can handle. He can pass. He His shot's not great, but it's okay. It's and that, LeBron's shot's not great. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean he's about the same spot at right. the same age. Let's, can we slow that down? No, I, I'm not trying to make the comparison. I'm just saying LeBron's shot's but not great. But I've seen it a lot out there. Well, look. Let's slow that down. No, that's no, what, no, that's no, what no, we no, do, no. though. That's no. what we do. Physi- Physically-wise, though, there's nothing to compare. There's no one else out there that you can p- compare Zion Williams to. Williams and two other than LeBron at this point because, because LeBron was a grown man at that no, age. And LeBron Zion's looked nothing like that at that. LeBron he was, was like two forty, two thirty five at that right, age. But, there, but, but that's still the a grown close, ass man. Though. But it's still the closest thing we've seen physically. I don't think we've ever. No, I'm I'm sticking with Javon one, Curse. Maybe. I'm sticking with one of one. He's one of one. I agree, and that's why I'm so high on. It. I just don't understand how you can look at anyone in this class and not think. That's the guy I'm most enamored with. Absolutely. I don't know that he's the best basketball player long-term, but that's the guy I'm most excited to watch if I'm well, an NBA scout. R.J. Barrett, what he showed against Kentucky, his ability to finish through contact. The only reason I wasn't – the reason I had him three, even though – I watched him twice in high school just on TV. He, and coasts, he, was, pa- he was passive. Yeah, he, he was passive. That's he doesn't it. have the upside physically of the other two. He, he's just he's a much better already player. There. Yeah, he's yeah. already there. Like, his ability, and, and especially the thing with him – when he gets in a big game, go back and watch highlights of that game he had for Team Canada against the USA, right. where he he kicked their ass. Super competitive. All I mean, when over he, when the he floor. needs to be competitive, he will yeah. compete. But, but I, think, I think when you saw but him, but then he that, dials it back at Montverde. There were times they were just so good that he didn't really have to do anything, so he didn't. And I saw him in AAU do that quite a bit as well, where he was just cruising. You know, it's a it's a Friday at six thirty, playing. You know, whoever, right? And he's, you know, he, he's just cruising. He he doesn't he he didn't hit the gas. And for for me, that's why I liked Cam and I like Zion slightly better than him. I think I got that order backwards. I I think one two or RJ and Zion figure that out. However, you see fit, and then Cam is probably three, and probably three that's going to be like a multi-time NBA All Star uh, as the third best guy in this class. We don't get a top three like this. Very often. I've never seen anything like it. I, I mean, there's just not... And all that they went to one school. Like, that's fun. Well, yeah, that. I mean, that's the thing is them going to one school. I can't recall anyone having a top three like this. I mean, 
No. Not e- not Fab Five. Nothing like this in terms of the top. The top three, three of the Fab Five, I would argue. Yeah, Juwan, Weber, Juwan, Juwan and Jalen. Where did they get drafted at, though? No, that, no that, that part's fair. But, but man, oh, man, that, that was a pretty but good. But where did they get drafted? I'm saying do we, we never had a thing where. Like three in the top five. Three <laughs> of the top five draft picks. Yeah. And it's not even like we're, we're like speculating maybe it could happen it's almost a certainty that the three of the top seven or eight draft picks and four. more than likely the three of <laughs> three, the top five <laughs> three of the top four who 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 do you take this is my point like it's it's hard to yeah. figure out who even slides above them so it's like best case scenario you can drop them down to seventh maybe yeah, yeah. there's probably there's a european guy or two floating around right probably i mean you, you oh, i don't really, think there is may, maybe class. not yeah maybe not it's not, hard it's hard to find someone to push them down i'm telling you i've I've done this. No, I'm with you. Like yeah. I, they they could go one, two, three. That's bananas. Yeah, that, that we've was, never had that. That that was that, that was quite impressive. All I know now is after the first week of basketball, Army is better than Kentucky. They lost to Duke by less of a margin, right? Twenty two <laughs> points. Kentucky lost by thirty four. Considering what we saw out of the second game from Kentucky, Army might be Army better by than Kentucky. Yeah. And for the record, the Southern Illinois game for Kentucky was worse than the Duke game. No doubt, way worse. No doubt, because that that you would think after Duke, the Duke, Duke game, Duke was more like Duke was more about just looking at Duke and going. Wow. Yeah. And I think Kentucky felt that a little bit. Yeah. I think they were looking like, wow, this these dudes are way better not, than us. This is not good. But you, you you would think that would hurt the pride a little bit, and you'd come back against a team that you're and just way more yeah. talented than, and you would come out ready to play. They're timid. It took them 25, 30 minutes to wake up. And this is, this is a typical Cal team early in the season. The problem is... People expected this team to be ahead of the yes. curve, and they're not. They're not, and that would that would bother me if I was a UK fan because you have a couple guys back. I'm telling you, the Bahamas messed this team up, and it messed up expectations because oh, because oh, they were off the charts. People were writing them in no doubt championship number nine. Is that what they're going for? Number nine. Yes, they were they were they were locked in. I still think they're going to be really good, though. I do too. I'm not like I'm not out on but UK the, by it, any it is, stretch. I mean, yeah, it, it, it shows and you that sometimes it is a process. And I the process is, but is, it is bother, not where you want it to be. It bothered me that it's such a process this year. If I was a UK sure. fan, though, because you did bring a few guys back, and those guys don't look like they've had a year in the program, right? And and, and I will say, I also thought Kansas looked better than I anticipated i thought they looked really good and a, a guy i want to go on record now because i've loved him for like four years is the dotson kid out of charlotte he um he played with he's on the under armor circuit and played that team charlotte team is always one of those like mid-major aau teams yeah i, I played against them actually most uh, of their, younger i played against their younger group. most of their and they guys had some dudes but not high level yeah, dudes. most of their guys yeah. are going you know charlotte right like right that's a, a great example of the level of the, the, the Conference USA, A-10, like a lot of those guys. And then they had Dotson come up through their program, and all of a sudden, instead of being a team that, you know, gets into the tournament or makes the the, the you know, now they're playing for championships. Right. And that kid was tough as nails, runs a team really well. I wanted to see how he was going to translate. Watching him against Michigan State was like, man – they're Kansas. You forget kind of. Well, one, Rick, have you ever seen anybody change more than Kalina Azabuke? Or no, Kalina yeah. Kal- uh, was the UK guy. Udoka, Udoka, Udoka Azabuke. He like that kid had no offensive game at all when we watched him. The only thing we saw from him was two three courts blocks. over, two cor- two handed blocks, and three courts over watching the backboard go like this after a from dunk. when he ripped a rim off. 
That's Chad waving his hand. Yeah, Chad waving his hand. This is this is this is an audio medium, auditory deal. You've never done this before, apparently. First one, first one. But like watching the backboard sway after he two handed tried to rip a rim off, the number of post moves he's developed. I I was wondering if Mike Pegues was on the Kansas staff now. He's tutoring, tutoring for a charge outside of coaching. I mean, uh, do you not agree with me? No. Like, that dude had no right. game. He was a catch-and-dunk player. He's that, come a long way. But that's why you recruit guys with that type of upside. Because yeah. it's like, if you can teach them the footwork a little bit, they've got all the physical tools. And it, he was hitting jump hooks. He was hitting little floaters. Like, I was, I was really impressed with, with how Kansas looked against Michigan State. The funny State. thing is he always kind of had that touch. But he just had no footwork, no, no moves, no game, no nothing. And then... Watching him the other night, and I was recording a podcast while we were while we were uh, while the game was going on. And every time I looked over, it felt like he was getting fed on the block and, and, and putting the ball in the basket. Right. It's like, my God, that's not the same dude. So I'm still high on Kentucky. I think I think they'll be fine. Kansas and Duke right now, I think, are pretty clearly one and two. Yeah. And Kansas is gonna Kansas is gonna convincingly beat Michigan State and drop in the polls tomorrow. Watch. Oh, I think Duke ascends the number one. Exactly. Yeah, I, there's no doubt in my mind. Kansas was number one. Right. Correct. Duke will be. Duke, Kansas will be one. Duke will be one. Kansas will be two. Yeah, and and Kansas comfortably beat Michigan State and has done nothing to be knocked down other than we all watched Duke and said, "Oh my God." Yes, correct. And and Barrett, Zion, and RJ scored, or or Cam scored seventy. It was 33, 28, and 20-something, whatever yeah, it was. 70-something yeah, 70 70 something together today. Oh, my God. That beat UC by 13, in case you're wondering. <laughs> Just saying. Well, but if they would have only held them to Better 12 defense. points in the second half. That's it. That's, that's correct. Um, talk about NKU, Rick. Uh, two, two nobody opponents. First two, Wilmington Wabash. Waxed them both. Um, but Friday, went to Northern Illinois. Not, a, not great, but it's on the road against the MAC team, which... Is a nice level team. Come away with a double overtime victory. Uh, that, that, I thought that was a big, big win early on, just to kind of go, okay, this team's capable of doing something like that. Well, because they fell behind by twelve right. at halftime, and then with you know two minutes to go, a minute thirty to go, whatever it is. I mean, you just kept facing adversity. You missed free throws when you could have iced the game. They come back, hit big shots, and they're on their home court. And now it's in overtime, and then you're down by six with a minute thirty to go in overtime. And Zanai Robinson, it's two big threes to bring you back and force a double overtime. And it's just like, again, you find yourself down by five in the final couple minutes. And again, you come back and take the lead. And this time you make big free throws. They just kept finding a way to battle back. And they're getting contributions from so many different guys. They're so deep. They're so balanced. And Drew McDonald, it feels like every time he shoots the ball, it's going in yep. right now. Yeah, 28 and 14 that night. Big, big night for him. Yeah, he didn't suck. Yeah. Um, they they do have up next uh, UNC Asheville, then Manhattan. I think that's that. And I think it's a weekend tournament coming up. Yeah. And then Coastal Carolina. And then they go to U, U, UCF on, on the 24th, the team that's picked to win. <laughs> I know the team that's picked to win the American Athletic Conference. Was that Mike Leach? <laughs> he, he popped. No, that was uh, Mike, Mike Gundy. Gundy. Mike Gundy. Gundy. Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy. Yeah. Mike Gundy. UCF. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I mean, a, a nice little stretch of schedule here for them. To, let's see what they're made of. Yeah, it'll test them a little bit more yeah. and, and face them. With, I mean, let's face it, the other two games are pretty much yeah, meaningless. But I mean, it's nice to see them play the way they played and focus and everything. The biggest thing is they have so many new guys contributing already. I mean, when you look at their freshman class, both Adrian Nelson and uh, and Bryant Mockaby have been excellent already as freshmen. But Trayvon Faulkner 
was supposedly the most talented of the three. Tonight, he hit a few three-pointers. He made a bigger against Wabash. impact. Yeah, against Wabash. Yeah, and, and yeah, we're, talking, we're doing this on Sunday night. They just beat Wabash by 40 points. That freshman class is looking really good, and that's addition to Paul Joko and, and uh, some of the other guys you, you brought in you know, to help you this year with like Silas Adiki as a, a Juco. So. Um, it, it, it's a while off, but, but there is a game with UC looming on, on December the 4th. I'm guessing that's circled, right? If that game was right now, yeah. they'd win by 10. And if they played Xavier right now, they'd win by 10. You really believe that? Yes. They're much better than both those teams right now. In two weeks, I don't know, because those other two teams are more talented than they are. But they're shooting the ball at a high clip, and they're more together than either of those teams are in regards to their system, their defense, those things. So if they played right now, I'd take NKU in either one of those games. December 4th may be different. December 4th, it's, yeah, I, I think you see you'll figure some things out by then. It'll be a different ball game. All right, while we got you very quick, let's talk some college football just for a second. You see, we, we, need a, we, need, we need sound from Mike Warren uh, last night to become the tagline of this, this podcast. Go, go fire away. So he, they, I asked him after the game if he was aware that he set the single-season touchdown record with 18 touchdowns. And his response you know, talk through it. I don't really pay attention to those things. End of the day, the end of his his point was, I was just balling. I was just balling, man. I was just balling. And it's all he does. That's what he does do. Dude, that kid's so fun to watch. Think about this, Skinny. We came into the season with Hayden Moore as the starting quarterback, yep. Jared Dokes as the starting running back. You're on, you're on Desmond Ritter. You made that change two series, three series into the season. And then... And stuck with it. And Dokes pulled a groin. And Warren was put in, and then Dokes eventually do you, do had think, to have surgery. Yeah, do you think Michael Warren, though, because there, there was a hype around Michael Warren. I mean, no, they were. The, do, the do you think, think he would have eventually surpassed him as, no, the, as the feature back? Because you do not. Dokes is that good. Okay, all right. I, that's the thing. I think it could. their running game could have been even more dangerous because Dokes is a little bit more of a big play guy. Now, we've seen some big plays from right. Mike Warren, like right. we saw last night. Um, but Dokes is a little bit more splashy. I, Warren just, man, he... He's that like it's fit like he's a, a kid from Toledo because he comes at you 30 times a game and just pounds at you and pounds at you and pounds at you. And by run 20, every team, this it's not a secret UC's offense. Every team has got eight, nine guys in the box. And Mike Warren just keeps pounding and pounding and pounding. And then he hits two or three big runs and breaks your spirit. And right. it, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. Boy, it, it, nobody in this town, no. nobody in this town no. thought this team was going to be 9-1. and one, No chance. Going to Orlando. 10-0 maybe. Yeah. To be on ABC primetime yeah. and game day. Like, it, it's been, a, it's been a, a, a wild experience over the past two and a half months. Yeah, and it's not, you know... You, you can argue the SMU win was 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 fortunate. I don't want to say lucky, but you were fortunate. Fortunate, yeah, yeah. But the rest of the wins have not been fortunate for the no. most part. Ohio U, they had to rally, but for the most part, they've been the better team. Yeah, I mean that's the point. And when does that happen in this town where something like this comes completely by surprise? Uh, well, I, I mean, I think I think the. The, the Brian Kelly teams that just kept winning and winning at a high level went to a couple major bowls. That's, that's that was but a little bit. You could see that building with D'Antonio. Build, you'd see a building. They still had Rut, got there. They yeah. beat number eight Rutgers, and that's what got D'Antonio right. the Michigan State job. Like that was coming. 
You you had Connor Barwin and yeah. and Mike Mickens and D'Angelo Smith and Haruki Nakamura and like you could see that wave. Nobody saw this wave coming. No. And I, if we saw it coming, everybody said get to a bowl this year and maybe 2020, 2019, 2020, take Luke will step. really have Yeah, take the next step. Take the next step and have things rolling. This is unfathomable. Now, I, I, real quick, I got because I, I don't know how this works. Cause I was surprised Temple beat Houston, so that I, I thought that would be their second loss. What, what happens in a three way tie? So if it all ends, and UC would have to beat Central Florida, UC beat Central Florida. They all win the rest of their games except yeah, UC I, beating I, I Central think, Florida. I think you and I looked at Temple. I think this this that was the only test they had left was the Houston game on the road. Right. The it's not good. They've got South Florida at home in yeah, Philly, right. and then UConn, UConn right. which I'm pretty sure. Covcath could beat. I, I I know Colerain would. Covcath would be about a two point dog, but yeah, it'd be close. Colerain would probably whip their ass. Yeah, they might. It's a bad. It's a bad team. It's a, that's as bad a college football, that's a team. Bad football team. Um, so it goes all the way down to the sixth tiebreaker. Wow. And the sixth tiebreaker is overall winning percentage. Well, UC and Central Florida would be tied then. If- no, they would not. Because? Central Florida lost a game due to a hurricane against oh, that's right. North Carolina. That's right. Central Florida would be 10-1. and one. UC would be 11-1. and one. And UC would go into okay. the conference championship awesome. game over Central Florida because Central Florida could not play North yeah. Carolina that's because of the hurricane. That's a shame. It's a damn shame. Well, I would say this though, Central Florida. You, I mean, you you can you can take care of your own destiny by beating Cincinnati yeah. too, right? Well, and I mean, what would happen? Thing. At number seven is CFP ranking, and I can't imagine if Cincinnati goes to Orlando and beats Central Florida. Right now, Central Florida is I think twelve. Cincinnati's nineteen. Right. I can't imagine Cincinnati wouldn't jump past yeah. Central Florida, right. and and they would get it on that seventh tiebreaker. But that's how even everything is that's between crazy. those three teams. I mean, we could. It's crazy if Temple makes a quarterback change at the start or names this kid that that took over in game three. They lost to Villanova and Buffalo. Correct to start the season, zero and two. Made a quarterback change and they they've lost one game to Central Florida since, right. and it was a good game. Um, you could be looking at three teams right up there in the east of the the AAC. It's so crazy to me that everybody looked at this league when it was built and said football is going to be awful and basketball is going to get it together and and be a really good league, and basketball has not been able to do it. And you look at football in the past three years, really. Right. They've been they've been the conversation because they feel like the one that's on the outside looking in. Yeah, because should maybe be in. They're they're popping three and four right. different teams into the rankings every year, and and jostling in mm-hmm. and out. And you know, Navy's had some some really yep, good absolutely. years. Houston's had some really good years. Memphis has had some really good years. Now UCF, Cincinnati's back in the mix. South Florida. This is a football conference. <laughs> it's it's weird how that. That dynamic played out because when it was put together, everybody trashed football and said with Cincinnati, Memphis, UConn, you know, some of the others, they, they, they had a chance to be pretty solid. And it's been the exact opposite. And I, I see what people don't realize is for a long time, Tim Adams, my partner, ran. He's a football guy. Ran, ran football and I ran basketball. And then he retired. And the year after he retired, they went four and eight. And then last year they went four and eight. And then he came back. <laughs> and this is the first time I've actually like been in control of the football beat where I didn't like literally dread opening up the website. Right. And and dealing with go to hell, get a job. And that was just over it was like two years on a week that that happened. 
and now they're nine and one and on game day and, and people people are going gaga it's it's wild I, I i can't think of anything can you think rick in cincinnati recently that kind of has matched where this team like completely completely out of nowhere concept i don't know i quite enjoyed go to hell to get a job i thought that was very no, funny, it, was funny. <laughs> it, it made life a little uh a little more stressful for me in terms of managing, uh, moderating a message board, but it was. I was standing there when it happened. I, I was, I watched him as he was right. screaming at the guy, right? And the guy from the the other news station in town that was shooting it looked over at me like I'm going viral. <laughs> this this is gold. <laughs> he was the only one there. Just think about that. If he doesn't, if he doesn't record that, if he does, because he hit record. Maybe two seconds before Tommy says it. If he continues talking to me and just has his camera by his side, right. doesn't record it, Tommy probably gets another year. Well, it was a, it was a fortunate thing for everybody involved. That's and, all I can tell you, and including Tommy, who's now butchering names on TV and butchering numbers. No, he's got a radio show. I'm sure he's butchering names on that radio show, I thought too. about calling in one time. It's based out of Destin. He's- Winder World! And where do you get your Winders? Winder World? All I know Chipotle. is Chipotle sauce. Chipotle. Brendel's the type of person that would call into whatever show that <laughs> Tommy Tuberville is now doing. No hey, question. Tom. No up, brother? No How you doing? Question. I haven't right. talked in a while. Any final take from you, Rick Broering? I got nothing. You got nothing. How about it from you, Chad Brendel? Eh, I mean, I could keep going more football and just say uh, credit to Mike Bone for hiring Luke Fickle. There's a lot of people that didn't want that, that weren't that weren't sold on that hire. What's Kerry Combs up to? I'm going to punch you. Okay. He, he's actually the defensive back coach for the Tennessee Titans. I think special, I think and they special, wanna, or special teams, teams coach. Yeah. And they, they beat, beat the, the hell Patriots out of the today. Patriots today. And they've a had lot, a couple of nice special teams moments this year, A too. lot of people are saying Kerry Combs had a lot to do with that. You're hearing it more and more. That's right. Kerry Combs, Kerry Combs, Kerry Jesus. Combs. No question about it. <laughs> Boys, I enjoyed it. We will be back again next Sunday to talk some more college basketball as we do. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition for Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal. We may be heading down to Florida this week. And... For Rick Broering, a Musketeer Report, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us on the Skinny Podcast.